everyone and welcome to the Pet Accountant Podcast with me, your host, Vicky Clark. I'm going to help you get to grips with your finances, save you lots of money and take the stress out of doing your tax return. So let's get going. Hello guys, uh, as you know we do live every week. Um, my name is Vicky and I run the Pet Accountant alongside Lee, my lovely business partner who is still alive uh, and he will be on here showing his face next week. Um, if you've just joined the group or you listen on the podcast, um, we do these lives every week, either myself and me, where we talk about finance topics, or sometimes we have a lovely guest on, um, like we have for the past couple of weeks. And today we are joined by the lovely Greta Ford, who has agreed uh, to come on and chat to you guys. Um, Greta mainly works with dog trainers and behaviorists, but what we're going to discuss uh, over the next half an hour, 45 minutes will um, relate to everybody out there regardless of your job so make sure you listen in and as always um, any questions you've got then just pop them in the comments and I will ask them as we go along oh Lee's here he's bloody watching lazy lazy guy (laughs) you should be on here Lee Um, but like I say answer any questions in there and we'll get to them as we go through Um, we are going to be talking about pricing marketing uh, branding, uh, coaching, and everything else in between. So it's going to be a really, really good one. Um, Lee said he's cooking. And um, yeah, we'll get straight into it. So hello, Greta, and thank you very, very much for agreeing to come on tonight. My pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. That's all right. Do you usually work in a wardrobe? First question. <laughs> that is a very good question. No, I don't <laughs> actually. I do sit in a wardrobe for calls. I, I am in a I am in a wardrobe essentially right now. But um it's yeah, I do my calls up here because generally it's quiet and there's no we're moving around and making cups of tea and all that kind of thing, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, so you've got yeah, some lovely shoes. I don't work in it. Yeah, but you see, these are shoes from like days before. I spent just in wellies with you know with dogs all the time, so I never wear any of them. Fab, it's, it's great backgrounds. Background. <laughs> it's better than mine, which is just blurs because it's a tip, so I don't unblur it. <laughs> um, right, just in case some people don't know who you are, mm-hmm. um, give us before we go into all the questions and I quiz yeah. you, um, just give everyone a brief overview of who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, cool. So I am a dog trainer and animal behaviourist. I have been doing that for 10 years or so now. Um, And then more recently, over the past two, three years, I've been working with people on helping them with their businesses. So I primarily work with ethical dog trainers and animal behaviourists, also some veterinary behaviourists. And um, really, I'm I'm on a massive mission to try and help the people in our industry have better, more successful, more profitable and sustainable businesses. Because what I found was there were just lots of people who'd worked really hard to get their qualifications and build up their experience and be really, really good at what they do. And they'd spent a fortune on it and many years. And then they were running businesses which were burning them out. They weren't earning enough money. And um, I just think we we deserve better. And, you know, we're doing a great job. We're doing a really important job. And I think that um, it's absolutely possible to have a really profitable and sustainable business in our industry um, if you know what you're doing. So that's that's what I'm all about, helping people right. do that. Cool. And what, what's your business? What does it do? So my business is called Set Up to Succeed. Um, and we I offer... Um, 
well, I offer business coaching, kind of consulting as, as a kind of core service. Um, but I've also got lots of courses and resources which are available on the website. So they start like £10 for a, an ebook about how to get found online right the way through to um, kind of more um, kind of comprehensive courses that include absolutely tons of stuff to help you get set up with your first business. Um, and then I also have things like I do branding and website design as well. So I work with a team of designers. I'm a bit of a website geek. Oh, God. Lee should be on here then because he's a website geek as well. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I work with a team of brand designers to work on branding and create websites for people as well in our industry because I'm really passionate about websites working really hard for people um, and not just being something that's pretty, but actually really <laughs> Um, like really doing a good job in terms of helping clients understand what you do and what you offer and what's right for them but working really hard for you to actually convert those clients into giving you money yeah I mean Lisa's put in the comments we should be friends Um, (laughs) he you know we did a marketing um podcast probably a couple months ago now and we did mention we did touch on websites and I, you know, and I I said, you know, it's, it's like your shop window. You know, everyone goes on to Google. If they don't know where to get a dog trainer, the first place they're going to go to is Google or Facebook. Yeah. And you type it in and you get, I mean, I don't go to the sponsored ones. I always leave yeah. them and go to the next ones. And then you open the website and it's shit. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. What? Just don't bother. Yeah. Just don't have one, you know, because you look at it and go, oh, I don't like that, and go on to the next one. And very rarely do people go to the bottom of the first Google page. So invest invest in your website. It's so important. Absolutely. Totally. And I think if you're coming up there quite high up in the search results, then like what that's really hard so you've done really well there but what a missed opportunity if actually when someone goes to the website they're like "Mm, no I'm not really sure about that or also I see like total confusion so people go on the website like I don't know I've got all these options I don't really understand what any of them mean and I've got to pick stuff or things that just don't work like intuitively or Mm. you you kind of like I don't know what 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 am I supposed to click on what am I supposed to do next or it even gets to the point where it's like I actually want to go ahead with this and I'm, you know, convinced or whatever. But now what? Now I've got to send an email and wait for five days for someone to come back to me. And then it's just like we make it so hard for mm. potential clients sometimes to actually just give us money um, that I think we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. So I think there's so much, so much kind of missed potential with with websites in our industry, definitely. Yeah. So do you help, do you actually build the website and do the copy or or, or do you just design it and then they fill it with the information? That's a really good question. So um, as it is at the minute, um, the branding and website kind of true bespoke service where we go through that whole thing of strategy and branding and website, then it's all done. They write the copy, but I've got a, a course called how to write your website, which is um, something which they have access to. And so they go through that and actually it gives them prompts for every section on a, of every page and so they use that to write the copy and then they give it to me and I kind of check stuff and give them advice on it. And then we create the website design around that. Um, where I'm also, though, and this is kind of top secret because they're not out yet, there's going to be some website templates that I, okay. um, well, they're nearly finished, but I just need to create the, the 
kind of guides to go with them to show people how to edit them. So that's going to be a more kind of cost effective way of people that maybe don't need that full like really bespoke service but they yeah. they know they need a website and so they or they need a new website and so they'll be able to buy um, a template and then either DIY it and again they will get how to write your website as a course to go with it um, or they can opt for me to install it and customize it and whatever if they want to so it's kind of going to give them different different kind of price options depending on their level of interest and skill and time and all the rest of it so yeah, yeah there's things coming out there definitely but um but, it's, yeah because I'm, I'm really keen for it not to just be something that's only open to people that have got a few thousand pounds to throw at it because I think I think everyone needs this um so yeah I really want to find different ways to make it more accessible and if you're crap at technology like I am we need some sort of guide as to how to do mm. it because I wouldn't I wouldn't have a bloody clue. I'm absolutely useless at technology, which is why I have Lee, because he does it. Um, just out of interest, I'm going to ask you one techie question. What do you yeah. use to build the websites? Um, I use Squarespace. Right, okay. I know Lee was going to be, is, I can feel the question coming at me. So I just thought I'd ask, so then he'll know. Yeah. Um, right, I did have some questions for you. And as I said, um, we went slightly off tangent, which I knew we would do. Right. So we're not here just to bore people with what you do. <laughs> we are actually <laughs> going to help people as well. Yeah. Um, so I've got a few questions that I'm going to throw at you and just get your spin on it because it's nice to get people's opinions from different backgrounds. Um, and like I said to Jen last week, you know, we have a lot where it's focused on a specific profession and it's really good just to get ideas from other people. So yeah. question number one, mm-hmm. what's the most common mistakes that people make when they start a business? Okay, I think um, I think this is quite a broad answer because it covers lots of things, but I think it's the, the top three. <laughs> okay, they, they kind of... Um, don't treat it like a business so often especially for trainers and behaviorists I, I don't know if the same would apply for for groomers or other kind of pet professionals but certainly for trainers and behaviorists then people tend to kind of start out almost like it's a bit of a hobby like I've got a dog I've got really into dog training I take my dog to all these workshops learn all this stuff I've done loads of reading about it done some courses whatever and then it's like oh I could I can actually kind of get paid to do this. And it feels like a bit of a treat almost. Like how can someone pay me to do something that I love so much? And you feel like that, you know, you 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 don't, because you feel like that, you don't then start out thinking about it like a business. And that then obviously impacts on how you price things because you're not really thinking about how you're going to make it financially sustainable. Um, and it also impacts on how you market yourself and like every like your website and everything really I think if if we go into it thinking like this is a kind of hobby then often we don't set ourselves up for success in the way that we we should be so I think that's probably the biggest mistake which impacts on lots of different areas of of business Um, whereas I think if we go into it you know with a kind of business head-on we make much more sensible decisions that we're then not regretting two years down the line when we find out we've actually got no money and we're working ridiculous hours yeah, no, 100%. And I think that happens across the board. Um, people love what they do and almost don't see it as a job because they enjoy it so much. And obviously, maybe people just aren't used to enjoying the job that they do. Yeah. Usually people go to work and complain, oh, God, like I've got to go to work. But I guess if you're seeing it as a hobby and you start out and you know, you're know you charging people like 20 quid here, 30 quid yeah. there, 
and you're not really thinking about the long-term plan or actually what do I need to price these at to actually make a profit? Yeah. You know, what what have I spent and what am I going to have to make up to clear that debt off? It's almost just like, all right, yeah, I'll uh, I'll charge you 50 quid for this puppy yeah. training thing and oh, I'll just yeah. I enjoy it. It's fine. Whatever you want to pay. Yeah, yeah. And then they, like you say, they get two years down the line and you think, shit. <laughs> Yeah, I'm working 11 hours a day and I'm getting no money or Absolutely. my business is just plateaued or yeah. I don't have a website or I'm yeah. losing customers now because yeah. I haven't really advertised. Yeah. And yeah. And I see, you know, I see it all the time with people's books and things. And I see what people charge. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think if we if we can just. I know it's difficult when you're first starting out, like you don't necessarily know what everything's going to cost you and everything. But even if you don't know it right from the beginning, you need to be like reviewing that stuff as you, as you go along, like really regularly, like reviewing your pricing. Like is if I'm still charging this in two months time, is this actually going to make sense? You know? And I think we, okay. When you're not very experienced, you start off maybe a little bit lower, but ultimately this is we sometimes get really stuck in our own heads about what we what's reasonable to charge and what we should charge and oh well so and so down the road only charges this and they've got these accreditations so I can't charge you know anything like that or whatever and we get we get all these like baggage about money and what we think is like reasonable to ask people for and oh maybe we're taking advantage of them if they need help with their puppy and then we're charging them money for it it's like no it's your job it's actually your job and yes it's lovely that you care and it's important that you care Mm. but it's your job and you need to make it work from a business point of view definitely yeah fab any of the common mistakes that you see other than the the pricing and and the hobby issue um i think probably another one is that people will often almost create like a little clone of someone else's business it's like well that one's kind of working so I'll do I'll offer the same services and I'll have like my branding and my website will be pretty much the same and it's like it's very hard if someone is you know if you've got a client a potential client that is looking online say at different websites um or what, however they found you, it doesn't really matter, but they're kind of comparing people. And if you're actually offering exactly the same things, you're talking about the same stuff and you're um, priced in the same way and everything kind of looks and feels the same, you just become, it's all really generic. Like there's no, often we, we, we want to kind of come across as professional and like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people have spent a lot of time and, and money on their education and so they they want to come across as professional but sometimes that just comes across as like boring like no you know where are you in that and I I like kind of want to just go come on let let the people know about you let the potential clients kind of get a sense of who you are and what you're all about because when you make that connection with a potential client that's when they go oh I really want to work with this person and that's when price isn't as much of a factor as you might think it is. You know, not everyone's just buying on price. That isn't how things work. And if you can like make a bit of a connection and and have a bit of personality and have something that feels a little bit different from what the person down the road is doing, then you've got a much better chance of kind of standing out and and winning over those clients that you really want to work with. Do you think it's a confidence issue? Yeah, I think it's definitely related to that. I think, um, I think pricing, there's a whole load of pricing mindset stuff going on. Mm. And a lot of that, I think, is related to confidence and imposter syndrome. 
um, possibly like their own money mindset baggage from their own experiences and assuming that like, well, I wouldn't be able to afford that. So no one will. It's like, well, not, not everyone's you. Maybe you're not your ideal client. Maybe your ideal client is actually someone that can afford that. And so you don't need to worry about that. Um, and yeah, I think confidence, um, you know, generally we're not a very, we, we go into this not to make loads of money. You know, yeah. that's not the primary goal. Um, we generally are very empathetic, caring you know, kind people who who want yes. to help animals. And so I think you, you already end up like you're a certain sort of person. I don't want to pigeonhole everybody because of course there's variation mm-hmm. in variation, but you, you're already generally a certain sort of person if you go into that industry. And I think those people often um don't like to be pushy, don't like to be salesy, and they mm-hmm. think that anything that's remotely selling what they do is is somehow kind of grubby and it's like actually we don't need to be like bro marketers we don't need to be all salesy and kind of grubby about it but that doesn't mean we have to shy away and kind of go oh no you know I can't really take anyone's money and I don't really want to you know charge anything reasonable and be be kind of like we hold ourselves back so much I think because we we're so caught up in like not wanting to be too loud and showy about it but the problem we've got is that there are a load of not so ethical trainers and behaviors we're not going to get into that debate now but um who who potentially are quite happy to to shout from the rooftops about how great they are and what they do and take Um, the money yeah exactly and and charge a lot and all the rest of it and you know it's quite compelling so you've got to be mindful if you're if you're going for the kind of um you know, welfare focused, ethical, positive kind of side of, of things as a trainer or behaviorist that you are ultimately competing with those people who are really happy to to tell everyone how great they are. And you don't want to work in that way, but you need to you need to show some value in what you're doing yeah. so that people help choose you rather than go yeah. for the, the big shiny kind of know it all who's offering a quick fix in two sessions or whatever. Yeah, train train your dog after in one hour. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are you actually going to do to my dog? Yeah. <laughs> pay us a thousand pounds, and we'll get them trained in an hour. Um, yeah. And people yeah. will pay it though, and that that's a sad thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You, meant, you you touched on um, the websites and it being individual, and I look at a lot, and they do look very similar. Um, and that's why, you know, with my website, although it is getting updated um, at the minute, but when I got put together, I had a, a copywriter um, who basically sat down with me and said, you know, how do you want the website to be? And I said, well, look, if you go and Google most accountancy websites, they are dull. You yeah. know, the same shitty photographs with yeah. people holding hats, shaking hands, yeah. a briefcase <laughs> and a calculator. Yeah. It's just really dull. Like, let us do your self-assessment and we'll yeah. do payroll. Call us on yeah. this number for cheap tax returns. Yeah. And it's just dull. And I said, look, I'd want to be the complete opposite to that. I'm not your standard accountant. I, I don't look like your typical accountant. Me and the pride ourselves on being normal. Mm. Um, and my website reflects that. And we, you know, I got so much, um, so many comments on the website, how it was, you know, not full of jargon. It was really easy to read. It was lighthearted. Yeah. Um, you know, I think on the about me page it said, um, the dog's bollocks of accountants. 
you know, and it it just made something different. So again, highlighting what you said, you know, if everyone's going through looking at accountants and it's like boring, boring, boring. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a bit different. Yeah. It catches their eye. So you, you're right. Don't copy someone else's website just because they're doing well. Yeah. They may they may well be the boring type. But if you're not, mm. make your website, have, have a unique selling point yeah, that totally. it catches their eye to go, actually, oh, this dog trainer is a bit different. Yeah. Let me investigate that a little bit further. So, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And I think that would apply to like groomers and walkers and stuff like, you know, what, how do you want it to feel? What would really truly represent you rather than, you know, the way that you work rather than it just being a clone of someone else's? I just think it's, it's a shame. Is it again, just a missed opportunity, isn't it? Exactly. Um, Right. Question number two, what can people do to attract their ideal client? What would be your tips? So if someone sat here, they're a new dog trainer, behaviorist or or groomer even or board or whatever, and they're like, where do I start? How am I going to attract that client? Yeah. Um, So I think first thing is have an idea who your ideal client is. So that's a, you need to be really clear on that so that and I, and it, you don't have to go to the extent of like, you know, having a kind of um, a little avatar for them and having a made up name. Well, I mean, you can do that if you want to, but it's not really so much about their um, demographics. You don't have to say, oh, I don't know, it's women aged between 30 and 50 or whatever. It's more mm. about their their kind of psychographics, like the, the type of person they are, their values, the sorts of ways that they make decisions, that kind of thing. So being being really mindful of um, how you can actually appeal to them on a, on a deeper level. And then I would take a, I'd use that information about who you want to work with to think about your branding, think about your website, to think about the copy that you write on your website, all of your marketing, so that it's actually speaking. You want to kind of write everything or say everything as if you're speaking directly to that person. Um, and, and that helps it feel like real and genuine and authentic, but also make sure that you are directly appealing to the right kind of person. And you can even go as far as like this, you know, I'd be great for you if, you I don't know whatever it is for you so it could be that I don't know you you value um your dog as a member of the family not just a dog or you know something it depends what it is that 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 you look for in a in an ideal client and the sort of people like if you've already been doing it a while you'd already have in your mind like those clients that you love and you wish you could clone them like think about them what is it about them that you really like and that you loved working with them and then Kind of, you know, you can, as I say, you can be even quite upfront about the sort of people that you like because, and you can even do it the other way. Like, I'm not the right person for you if, if and it's like, yeah. bam, bam, yeah, exactly. Go, go through what those are. Because when you do that, then you make it really explicit about the sort of person you want to work with. And yeah, you're going to repel some people who go, oh, that's not me at all. You don't want to work with them. The more important thing is that the people who meet your kind of criteria of what, what's a really good fit for you will read that and be like oh that's describing me that is totally me mm. you go on another website it doesn't have anything like that and doesn't really it's like we'll help anybody you know it's all it's all really vague and really generic then that doesn't really speak to anyone like yeah they'll get a few clients whatever but if you're really precise about the sort of people that are a great fit for you those people when they see that will be like 
oh my gosh, she's just described me or he's just described me. This is exactly what I want. And then, you know, they're much more likely to sign up. And it's about not saying yes to everyone either, you know, and I think that can get people down is that when they're starting a business, they know the person that's come to them is not their ideal client. Yeah. And they know on their gut that this person's going to be an arse. Yeah. And yet they still say yes. Yeah. And then regret it down the line when they're like, oh God, no, not this person again. Yeah. Um, but I do think people fall in the trap of saying yes to everybody regardless when they're first starting out and you know, I, I was guilty of it to start with a few years ago and, and I would know that some clients would be like, oh, no. And I'd just say yes and then, you, you know, down the line, oh, bloody hell, I wish I hadn't said yeah, yes. Yeah, now. yeah, And, you know, we we niched and some people don't like how me and Lee work or, you know, someone got annoyed that I swore on the last podcast. Right. I, you know, absolutely fine. Everyone's welcome to their opinion. Yeah. If, you, you know... I, not everyone's going to like what we do. Not yeah. everyone's going to like our style, but those who do get it. So you, you can't, the thing is you can't, you can't help everybody. You're not yeah. going to please everybody. Yeah. And I think if you're going with that mindset to start with, you're not going to get disappointed or disheartened because you can say no to people. Just say no. Totally. And yeah. I can understand like when you first start out, you've got that kind of scarcity mindset of like uh, am I going to get any clients and so you get an inquiry and you're like oh I don't I don't think they're right for me or I think what they want maybe is not something I can really truly help them with maybe you don't have the skills or expertise or experience in a certain area but you're like oh well you know they're my first client or you know I haven't got any clients at the moment so maybe I'll yeah. take them on and then you end up like regretting it thinking oh I wish I hadn't um I guess with your job as well because you work with people in like probably much longer term than we generally would in our industry um then we I suppose don't have quite so much of like an ongoing you know we wouldn't necessarily usually be working with someone for like a year or two years something like that but even so if you've booked a package of like eight sessions with someone and after the first session you're already really (laughs) struggling with them then uh, yeah that can be tricky have a refund policy (laughs) brilliant um we've touched on pricing i'm not going to go too much into that because i think we could would literally be on here for hours um right finances and coaching what i guess what are the benefits of having a coach and how do you take someone on board like do you have a criteria that they must fit because there's a lot of coaches out there for the various different professions um, and I think it's good to know, you know, how you qualify them, you know, what, when would someone know that they need a coach? Like, yeah. Is it okay. like a specific time? Yeah. So I think there's, there's lots of different times that someone could need a coach. I personally don't think that when you're first starting out, having a coach is the best thing for you, because firstly, it's generally pretty expensive and you haven't got massive funds to throw at stuff if you're just starting out. Um, and I think there are like easier ways to get you off the ground than than spending hours like talking through stuff with a coach. So I think I mean, so the first thing for me would be I don't coach people that are brand new. Um, I have a course for people that are brand new. Um, and my coaching program personally is for people who are a bit more established. They've been doing it usually for well, my minimum is at least a year of being profitable in business, but they've usually been doing it two years. I've worked with someone recently who's been doing it 25 years. So, I mean, wow. it's pretty broad. 
Um, and for me, um, again, I, I, my particular coaching program is kind of focused on a specific need. So the two things that I, I particularly address in that program are um, if you're not earning enough money or if you don't have enough time off. Um, and of course, those two things are inextricably linked. Um, yeah. So I, I work with people who are like, I've got loads of loads of clients, tons of clients, but I never get a day off and I'm absolutely exhausted. And then I work with people who are like, I'm really struggling to find clients. I've got enough to be ticking over and I'm profitable, whatever, but like, I'm not growing the business. I'm not really where I want to be. So um, those are the two kind of primary things. But I think it depends what you want out of a coach like and what sort of coach you work with so I call it coaching because that's what most people think of it as but really my the way that I work with people is kind of consultancy so it's kind of coaching kind of mentoring kind of consultancy because they often don't want someone to just sit there and go well what do you think the answer is you know Mm -hmm. like if they need help with something they need help with something and if they want my advice on something I'm going to give them my advice rather than you know I'm not a, a dictator I'm like you must do it this way and this is the formula for success that's nonsense but (laughs) equally if you if you're like I'm struggling with this and I I, what do you think I should do then I'm gonna I'm gonna help you with it you know so it probably depends partly on what sort of coach they want to work with um and also I think really importantly is about getting a return on that investment so coaching shouldn't be like business coaching or mentoring or whatever shouldn't be just something you do because you think you should it should be something you're doing because it's going to bring you a return investment in your business um it's going to make you more profitable it's going to free up your time whilst not reducing your income if you're already earning really good money but you're struggling for time then that's still that's still a return on that investment um so i think you need to be kind of clear what you're going into it for and then find the person who feels like the best fit. Firstly, in terms of what sort of things they're helping people with, like what stage mm-hmm. of business, what sort of problems, and also the type of person they are and the type of coach they are. Because if you don't want someone who is, you know, just going to kind of reflect it all back on you and just get you to think about it yourself, and if you're the sort of person that finds that frustrating, you need to make sure you pick the right coach for you. Uh, And equally, if you're someone that absolutely wants that and nothing else, you need to pick the right person for you. So, yeah. There's different different people out there that cater, I guess, for different needs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, perfect. What's your view on um, using like Facebook and Instagram and and TikTok for dog trainers or or anyone really? Because I use, I mean, I built the pet account probably pretty much on Facebook. Um, I don't necessarily, I, I'm on Instagram, but I've got bloody clear how to use it. So I don't really do much on there. Um, and TikTok, I keep getting badgered to, to get on, but the thought of going on TikTok, just absolutely not. Um, what, what's your thoughts on it? Um, so I think, firstly, you need to think about where your ideal clients are. So it's likely that they're on multiple platforms. Um, so it doesn't help you that much, but you will probably have an inkling as to which one they spend most of their time on and where they might um, ask for recommendations and things. And I would say generally recommendations tend to come more um, 
through things like Facebook, for example, like they might ask their Facebook friends or they might ask in a Facebook group. So a local group of like dog owners, um, which is a really good way of marketing um, to get into that group and kind of share, share your stuff in there. Um, so whereas like, you know, Instagram, I mean, I'm not a massive Instagram person, but you know, it's not, it's not, didn't quite work in the same yeah. way, does it? So I think um, you can try, you can use those tools, like social media is just another tool, just another marketing tool, and you can use them. But what I would say is just be really careful about how much time you're spending on it and what you're getting out of it. Because I think it's really easy to convince yourself that if you spend hours creating reels and, you know, kind of beautiful posts and carousels and all the rest of it this will probably sound really out of date in six months because those things might not exist or who knows but you know like they those um you could spend an awful lot of time doing that stuff and then not really get any work out of it but because you're busy doing it you're like I'm marketing I'm doing marketing I'm doing marketing but actually what what are you getting out of that and if we bear in mind that organic reach is really, really poor. Like, the, you know, if you're not going to pay for ads and that kind of thing, then getting out there just by using like a hashtag strategy or that sort of thing is, is really hard. And I'm not a social media yeah. expert at all, but I do think we need to just be kind of sensible about it. So I would say that um, rather than focusing just on like your page and growing your page, I would look at how you can get involved in groups and share things and be a useful person in targeted groups where your ideal clients are if you can um is usually a more it's just a like a better use of time generally yeah. i say that but of course social media stuff changes all the time and you know someone else will give you a totally different opinion that's yeah. just that's i just, always ask because like you say everyone everyone has a different a different opinion on that and you know, I see so many dog trainers on Facebook, uh, not Facebook, on TikTok at the mm-hmm. minute. Mm-hmm. And they've got like hundreds of thousands of followers. Yeah. Um, and people asking them questions and stuff. And I think, yeah. you know, if rewind even two years ago, that probably wasn't the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess you've got, like you said, you've got to look at where your ideal client is. Um, I mean, I spent hours on Facebook like, all day, every day. And I think you've got to be consistent with it as well. With all your marketing, I think a lot of people will start out at the beginning and then it trails off and then they lose the customers and then they think, oh, crap, I've got to start on marketing again. Whereas actually, it should be a continuous thing. Like we, you know, we don't stop marketing ever. You know, we've just carried it on and carried it on and carried it on because we've had clients in the past where they've gone, oh, I'm I'm worried because I've run out of clients. Well, how are you marketing? Or I haven't marketed for like two years. Yeah. You think, well that's the reason because you've stopped it's tricky I think with um because you can look at what other people are doing and that's all that's all great but firstly there's some people that are are just kind of made for that like they they find it really easy they love it it Mm. it doesn't feel like a drain on their time they create like really engaging things that get shared and go viral and whatever and so that's that's fab in terms of visibility um but I also think we need to just think about if we're running a local business, it's about like how you know it's about building local reputation, local referrals, a local network, that kind of thing. So it's quite different, you know, like how I market this business because this is you know for anyone I work with people in different countries and all sorts. Um, 
is different to how I would market my dog training business um, right. because my dog training business is a local business. And so it, therefore it's about building relationships with um, dog walkers, other trainers, other behaviorists, groomers, vets, vet nurses, you know, like cafes that allow dogs in, whatever. So like thinking about how you can build those relationships and and get kind of integrated into the community. And that's where those like local Facebook groups are, are useful. Because actually there's, there's no point from a business point of view, really, your, you know, TikTok video, Facebook post or whatever being seen by someone who lives thousands of miles away if if you only serve people within a 10 mile radius like it's it's actually kind yeah. of pointless. so I think we just need to be mindful of that if you run a local in-person service-based business yeah. then I would focus the majority of your marketing efforts on getting building that in whatever way and that can be through social media yeah. but targeted rather than just building your brand yeah totally yeah fab well, I'm, I'm conscious we're getting on with time, so yeah. I don't want to keep you too long. Okay. Um, just before we go, then, all that's been absolutely fab, and I really hope that um, people take something from it. Um, and I know you've put um, your details in the group as well, which is fab. Yeah. So if you ever, if anyone wants to get in touch with Greta, then please use the links in the group, and we'll we'll put them in again just in case they fall into the bottom of the page. Yeah. Um, and what I'll do is I'll pin it to the top so people have got easy access. Um, but I guess before you go, what would be, I'm going to put you on the spot because I know we, we haven't discussed this question. <laughs> um, and it's not, it's not a difficult one, but what would be your top three tips? And it could be anything um, for, for new businesses. What would be your top three things to, to tell them if, if someone said, right, I'm going to start a, a new business? Okay. Um so the first would be to, to think about the sort of people you want to work with. So your ideal clients and, and being, being mindful of the sort of business that you want to create would be the second one. So, you know, thinking about the sort of services that you want to offer, the sort of hours you want to work and that kind of thing, because that's going to impact on your pricing. So you've got like who you want to work with and what you want to do would be two major ones mm. um and then the third i think would probably be about marketing it would be about how am i actually going to get myself out there because people will often like you know hide away for months creating a website um and then they're like it's launched well no one's looking at it no one's seen it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sad yeah. but that's just the reality of it like it isn't you know if you build it they will come that that isn't the case and so it it has to be you have to have a strategy about how you're actually yeah. going to build that brand in whatever way whether that's a local area or whatever so I think yeah it would probably be who do you actually want to work with and how are you going to appeal to them um how do you actually want your business to look and run? Because that's going to impact on your servicing and your pricing. And then how are you going to market yourself? Yeah. And obviously tip number four, look after your finances. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, that whole bit about how do you want your business to kind of look and feel like for me, a massive part of that would be, is it going to be profitable? And, you know, when you're setting up all of your kind of systems and stuff, you know, actually thinking about that rather than it being something that you kind of ignore and push to the back. You know, so many people say, which everyone does. Yeah, it? It's always it's the last thing people look at. I'm like, how much money have you made this month? I don't know. 
Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, so yeah, I think that is um, it. It's such a like a, a. It's yeah. It's a bit boring. Sorry, but it is. But boring, it, yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna go now if we want (laughs) (laughs) it just needs to be there from the start like you need to to set the systems up uh, and not then be trying to like you know uh, six months later go ah I haven't really done anything with that and now I don't really know where I am I don't know if I'm making a profit I don't know what I'm doing about tax like uh, ending up in a mess like like plan from the beginning and kind of get things in place definitely and you're right the reason why people leave it in is because it's dull you know and there's no getting away from that and that's why we do these lives and do the podcast is to try and make it a bit more exciting um so that actually people listen to what we're saying because it is so important that you look at the figures because how on earth are you going to build a business if you don't know what money you're making what you know your expenses like what it just doesn't make sense to me but that's maybe just because I'm a finance geek and I'm like that should be number one yeah Um, but yeah I mean we could talk for hours and and what we'll do is we'll get you on again um later on uh, in the year we'll talk about some other things um, and just have a general catch-up but thank you so much for being on thank you um put your details in the group again um just so that I can pin them to the top so if anyone's listening to this and they want to get in touch with you they can they can find you on the group easily Um, and then I'll tag you in things as, as people ask questions that I think would be will be good for you. So thank you so much. I'll let you thank know when you. this goes live on the podcast. Um, and yeah, hopefully you've uh, you've had a good time. And thanks yeah. everyone for listening. Um, like I say, if you've got any questions, then please just pop them in the group um, and I'll tag whatever in them uh, as we go through the week. And as always, um, have a good week. Um, enjoy your weekend. And we will be back next week uh, with the lovely Lee. Um, who's back of holiday and yeah we'll catch up then brilliant thank you very much Greta thank you brilliant all right well you can you can escape your wardrobe now (laughs) (laughs) we'll speak to you later on cheers now bye thanks for listening if you've enjoyed my podcast don't forget to subscribe for me and if you want to speak to me please visit my website at www.petaccountant.co.uk and if you'd like to join my facebook group which is full of like-minded pet professionals then search accounting for pet professionals in facebook and i will see you there